You are listening to 3CR podcast of Encyclopedia. Encyclopedia is a broadcast live every Sunday from 2 p.m. For more information, head to 3cr.org.au. Good afternoon and welcome to the program for this uh, sunny, warm summer Sunday afternoon. My name is Nick Wallace and you are tuned to 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. That's uh, three ways that you can listen. You can also uh, subscribe to podcasts. Many of the programs here on 3CR have a podcast, including Freedom of Species, who you just heard from there on the show. And if you missed uh, that show, you can subscribe to their podcast, 3cr.org.au. Follow the links to the program page and subscribe there. We are in summer programming still, which means that many programs are uh, or programmers are off uh, away and there are lots of specials going on at the moment, including uh, specials from regular programs, but also some programs uh, that you won't hear at other times of the year. Um, Although you might hear, as they, you know, it's, it's a nice time to, to test some new ideas and see things that might be able to uh, come to fruition later in this year. And I know there have been some uh, some interesting shows and some, uh, you know, there's a lot a lot of things happening um, uh, behind the scenes uh, with a lot of programs and, and a lot of, you know, changes happening. Uh, as I said before, my name is Nick Wallace. I'm the host of the program uh, in Psychedelia. And on the program today, we are going to be focusing again on pill testing. It's a summer thing. I guess that's our summer thing. Um, unfortunately, we have heard that at FOMO in Sydney, uh, which is a, um, a, a small festival, it is uh, includes underage, it is 16 plus uh, festival at FOMO uh, in Sydney. Um, a 19-year-old has passed away. Um, I haven't seen much of the details yet, and I think that we have learnt this week very a very important lesson um, that although we absolutely need harm reduction policies, it can be far too easy to speculate over why somebody has died and far too easy to spread misinformation where we do not know what has happened. And I say that in reference to a death that happened in Victoria uh, just a uh, week, week and a half, two weeks ago at a uh, festival called BTV Beyond the Valley out in Gippsland. A young man um, passed away. Um, it was reported that he had uh, taken uh, some kind of uh, some substance, some unknown substance, and, um, and passed away. What what turned out to have happened uh, was that although uh, he may have been on a substance, uh, it seems that also his friends were likely on that same substance and that that was not the cause of death. What did happen was he was bought, uh, bitten by a tiger snake on site at Beyond the Valley, which was not recognised until he reached hospital after he had become unconscious, at which stage it was um, fairly late in the equation, unfortunately, uh, for uh, adequate treatment to be able to be given. And the compounding factor of the two together might not have been very good, but the fact is that tiger snake uh, venom is particularly nasty and... Um, it is snake season across Victoria, across Australia. It's snake season. Snakes are out and about. Snake bites do happen. And people can just not notice them, not realise that a snake is actually the thing uh, that's that's bitten you. It might just feel like uh, some people have reported just feeling like they've scraped past a twig.
twig um, when actually they've been bitten by, by a small snake. So just be aware that you are sharing, especially if you're going out to music festivals over the summer, that you are sharing that land with other animals, that it's not just yours. And I think that's important from many different <laughs> many different, uh, d- different angles. You need to consider what you're actually taking out there, the, the camping equipment that you're taking, the, uh, the, the uh, food that you're taking, taking enough water, making sure that you're not taking food with uh, enormous amounts of packaging that you're going to let escape, making sure that you're taking care of your rubber making sure that if you are drinking that you're taking care of all your cans that you're not if you uh, try not to take glass at all just don't take glass into the bush generally take cans if if anything or if you're going to take if you want to take spirits pour them into a plastic bottle first just get rid of the glass bottle at home leave that at home pour it into a plastic bottle these little things uh, don't light fires look out for snakes be aware that there is other um, flora and fauna around you don't go traipsing through bushland over every You don't have to walk everywhere. Remember that it is a shared space. And I guess that's an important message too. But the uh, thing we're going to be talking about on today's show is pill testing. Uh, It's an issue um, that is uh, really hot this summer. It's uh, over the past few summers, we've been talking about it a little bit. This latest death in New South Wales, and let's note that almost every single one of these has been happening in New South Wales, where New South Wales Premier Gladys uh, Berejiklian has stood firmly against pill testing. She has started to loosen up um, about the idea a little bit lately, but still saying that she doesn't think uh, that it is a policy that should be implemented. There is still an attitude of, if we just make them say no a little bit harder, uh, then maybe we can solve this, Uh, which is a fundamental misunderstanding of everything about the reason why people take drugs, about the nature of drug taking, about so many different factors. It's ridiculously ignorant to be continuing to say that when there are people all around uh, who are saying, um, actually, no, this is how it works. When there are experts who have been researching this, when there are, you know, all sorts of people, the community, the community of, uh, and we're not talking about a community of junkies. Uh, Sorry for the stigmatising language. I hope my little funny voice there um, was... uh, indicative enough that I don't I'm not fond of that sort of language but people that have that kind of attitude towards a community that's actually made up of you know among the community of people hate drug, who take drugs are teachers are scientists are world class scientists people that I know that work in you know pretty uh, hardcore like particle physics uh, doctors uh, brain surgeons like these are the people that take drugs these are not just like people lying on the streets although that's part of the collection too and we shouldn't we should remember that everybody's got these these stories like i guess what i'm trying to say is stigma sucks <laughs> and that if we get caught on that then we miss the problem and we don't actually work towards solving the problem Before we get stuck into um, a couple of talks, we are going to be hearing from people like Fiona Meesham, uh, Fiona Patton from the Reason Party, Fiona Meesham from uh, The Loop, of course, uh, and that was from a launch. We'll also be hearing from Will Tregoning from Unharm in New South Wales, Uh, Ash Blackwell, our uh, regular uh, regular co-host on In Psychedelia, uh, should be joining us. He is a bit busy this afternoon, but hopefully he'll be able to join us as well. Um, But I also want to uh, quickly hear from Nick Kent, President of Students for Sensible uh, Drug Policy Australia about an event this week. Hey everyone, my name is Nick Kent. I'm the National Director of Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia. Um, so we're Australia's youth drug reform organisation and we are responding to the tragic deaths that keep occurring at events and festivals around the country. Um, we just saw a whole spate more happen in Sydney 
and in Melbourne over the last couple of days at New Year's. And we've seen the same stupid response from uh, the people in government not listening to expert evidence and opinion and not listening to the over four in five young Australians that want kill testing reform to stop these tragic deaths from happening. So we're doing something about it, and we've got a huge campaign launch um, for the Melbourne leg of the first national youth-led campaign for kill testing. It's called Be Heard, Not Harmed, and it's being launched on January 16th at 3 p.m. at Revolver Upstairs. It is a collaboration between DanceWise, um, Music Festival Harm Reduction Service, and Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia, and it's the first of um, a whole range of launches that are going to keep unfolding um, over the next couple of months and year as we ramp up a national campaign to get pill testing services introduced in every state across the country. Uh, we'd love it if you came and showed your support. You can also donate at beheardnotharm.com. We are a people-powered campaign, and we need your support. Thank you. See you there. Thank you very much, Nick. That is uh, Nick Kent, the president of Students for, uh, Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia, although I believe um, they've got it. I think it's something like a national director or something now, but it, it all means the same thing. Uh, he's, he's the uh, head of the organisation now launching the campaign Be Heard, Not Harmed. That is happening this Wednesday at Revolver Upstairs, 229 Chapel Street in Paran. Uh, entry is by donation um, starting at 5pm. Uh, so please uh, head along there and uh, the Be Heard, Not Harmed campaign uh, will be rolled out uh, by SSDP in not just uh, Victoria, but uh, in other states as well, including New South Wales, where it's uh, arguably even more needed than here. Although I don't know if we can really like create some kind of hierarchy of needs. It's needed uh, everywhere at the moment where prohibition exists. Um, just a couple of news stories before we uh, get into some more pill testing things. Um, this week, you might have seen in the Herald Sun or one of the other News Corp publications, uh, of a apparently new drug that um, News.com is uh, getting uh, very excited about, uh, that they're labelling monkey dust. Uh, and the headlines, and I and, uh, had a look around, and it seems like uh, almost every News Corp publication on, I think it was Wednesday, had almost exactly the same story uh, headlined saying that experts reveal the truth about deadly drug, deadly new drug, monkey dust, and the um, uh, the sort of reporting is, is very, uh, very similar. I've actually um, written a piece for AOD Media Watch, that's aodmediawatch.com.au, uh, if you want to go check out some of their other articles. Uh, mine hasn't been published yet. We're still working through it. It needs to be reviewed by multiple academic uh, reviewers first. Um, but I've, I've written it about this um, because uh, this reporting um, was so poor, but there was something strange about it. Uh, you might have seen that um, that video that's on, uh, on social media uh, where um, somebody has juxtaposed all the Fox channels from across the US with um, reporting that sounds like sincere reporting from the journalist, but it turns out it's a script that's been reported as if it's uh, sort of ad hoc by the reporter and, and said personally, uh, but it, it's a script. Now, this article about monkey dust appears to have come from um, from some kind of package. Uh, so the way that the, the sort of news media uh, works, in fact, one of the big problems with, um, with democratic uh, uh, news and access to news these days is that a lot of organisations have learned that if they want to get their story told, the best way for them to do it is to, is to sort of tell it themselves. So they'll create these media packages with talking points, quotes, um, some 
video and audio that people can use for either television or uh, or radio uh, and and quotes for newspaper and they send this to journalists so then what the journalists can do because they still have to work <laughs> is pull apart the bits and pieces from there add their own angle if they so decide and then but bing you've got a you've got a report the problem with this is that uh, in such a time-poor world that a lot of journalists are living in these days, um, especially where a lot of um, journalists just don't have the time to pursue stories, some, some journalists are on a one-hour uh, short turnaround time. They need to get a broadcast, a, a bulletin out at the top of the hour, the next hour. So they've got whatever it is, 45, 50 minutes to prepare um, stories for the next news. So it's really hard to do particularly uh, much investigative journalism. But this is where it all starts to fall apart. We miss out in the end because... Then we're not going to get the the facts because those people haven't had the time. We still might trust that they might have had the time, but they don't. And you end up with uh, reporting that is essentially the public relations department of whoever sent out this package uh, getting to say what they want. And that's what I'm worried about has happened here. So with this monkey dust reporting, one of the things that I noticed is that the um, the experts quoted in it, or expert I should quoted in it, um, seems to be only one person, and that person is Andrew Laby. Andrew um, has showed up uh, shown up a lot in drug stories over the past uh, past many years. He's from a company called Safe Work Laboratories, and from what um, me and others can find from accessible online information, is that he who presents himself as an expert forensic toxicologist and runs a drug testing business, his, uh, his qualifications are in business and marketing. It doesn't appear that he's got much more than perhaps an undergrad in science. So presenting oneself as a forensic toxicologist might be a little bit um, not as honest as we would like. Uh, now, I'm, I'm saying this from what I have read of these articles and what I have seen of uh, of him, and this is from things like LinkedIn um, and just looking around at his profile on uh, the Safe Work Laboratories website. But it seems that um, that's what's going on. And we know as well, so he, as, as well as um, Safe Work Laboratories running that business, there is a another organisation, a um, National Workplace Drug Testing Association, so a business association that he also seems to be the head of, and he uh, has been lobbying over the past many years uh, to get more workplaces to do more invasive drug testing with the proviso, you know, saying that it's all about oh, it's all about the safety of employees. Um, but this is something that we will be exploring in 2019 because this is a, a concerning trend that um, there is this idea that the employer has the right to bits of your body. And an understanding and a um, uh, you know, an understanding and a desire to ask questions about your personal life outside of work, because their reasoning is that it may affect your ability to do work when you are at work. But it becomes a bit of a slippery line there because uh, then, I mean, there's all sorts of things. I mean, if you're not fit enough, if you're not eating well enough, then that could be detrimental to your um, to your ability to, to work. Maybe you're watching the wrong kind of television channel or too much television or maybe you're hanging out with friends that aren't very good to your work ethic. Do, do you sort of see what I mean? There's this kind of idea uh, that the... the employer can start to define how your private life works around this idea that they're just looking out for what's best for the business and what's best for you being a a good employee moving forward. 
So I'm worried about that kind of lobbying. Monkey dust, just going back to that that for a moment, because I know I've deviated a lot here, ranting about this man, but monkey dust is, we've identified it as a drug called MDPV, or methylene dioxypyrovalerone. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, MDPV is not that new. It's um, at least been around for about 10 years. In fact, news.com.au has reported it as a new trend before, back in uh, 2012, uh, when it was referred to as bath salts. Yes, bath salts. It was the drug at the centre of the Miami cannibal um, face-eating guy. It was the one that was associated. They, they, there was all these stories running around at that time in 2012 saying that this man who ate somebody's face in Miami was on MDPV, on bath salts. Turned out that he wasn't, actually. In fact, there were no um, particular drugs found in his uh, system at all after he'd been shot by the police after he'd been gnawing off this person's face. So we don't really have a an answer as to why this incident happened, but we do know that it wasn't caused by what the media widely reported on and perhaps what you remember it uh, as being... Uh, if you remember that story, you might uh, still associate it with that. So... This is one of these problems that moral panics arise when we start uh, when when these drugs start get t- getting talked about in this way. Uh, so MDPV, it's, it was also mentioned in the article that it's the latest craze in the drug and festa- in the festival and club scene, which is just patently false. There's no evidence provided whatsoever for where that kind of information would have come from. It's purely speculative, uh, and it sounds like the kind of thing that is absolutely trying to drum up a moral panic. Funnily enough, and I don't know if they realise this um, in in uh, pushing these articles, but this is exactly the the sort of reason why we need pill testing now at festivals and clubs because if somebody's choosing to take MDPV uh, then sure they've chosen to take it they should have access to information about that drug so that they don't get themselves in danger with that drug but the reality is that a lot of time people are going to be taking that inadvertently they're not going to realize that what they have in a pill or a capsule or a baggie of powder random powder is MDPV they might have thought it was MDMA or another drug that they're more familiar with that they know that the usual sorts of risks are associated with it that they know you know that the sort of time it's going to last for the dose that they should be taking those sorts of things to keep themselves at a level of safety that's much more acceptable so that's the more likely thing that's happening which just again indicates that we need to be able to uh, give people these these resources be able to test things uh, and then provide that information about what these mystery drugs are. So that was that story. There have been some uh, some other things going on this week, but I really want to keep focused on the uh, on the pill testing. So we are going to be hearing uh, from the launch of the uh, the loop in Australia last year. So this happened um, late last year with uh, Dr. Fiona Meesham from the UK, uh, who's successfully run pill testing over in, in the UK, uh, talking a little bit about uh, pill testing there. Um, also, there were, uh, I think she had her, uh, the, the people from the lab as well were, were along talking about that um, as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll do that shortly. First up, this is Eric Parker from down Mornington Peninsula Way with Simple Pleasures on 3CR. It's summer programming and this is in Psychedelia, but we're going as usual because... Summer is party season and there's plenty going on. Um, <laughs> I, I want to get to something in a tick, but I've just um, picked up a media release that was beside me here at 3CR that, that somebody's um, somebody's left from Philip Morris. Why not butt out entirely? Risk of cigarettes uh, fires another reason to legalise smoke-free products and there 
thanking, welcoming Quid Victorian, the MFB, urging smokers to be cautious when disposing of cigarette butts, which should be a no-brainer, but you still see people flicking butts out the windows into bushland, or just into gutters, into anywhere that it's going to filth something up. Uh, and they're using it, uh, using that as an opportunity to um, promote their smoke-free product, um, which is heat, not burn product. It's actually not a vaporizer product. Um, so Ash and I have talked a lot about the uh, the nicotine vaporizers, but um, Philip Morris and some of the other tobacco companies, because uh, there's sort of this conspiracy theory that it's all all them behind um, behind the push for vape. But they actually have these um, these different products which still use um, tobacco. Presumably, it's uh, uh, still hanging on to some part of their supply chain where you know people are getting lots of money and they don't want to cut them out. Um, but yeah, still use tobacco. But it, it sort of vaporizes the plant material, but it works slightly differently. Anyway, they're using that to promote that. So bushfires. But just don't flick your butts out the window. It's pretty gross. Uh, now, um, Fiona Patton, this uh, that you're about to hear is um, Fiona from a. Uh, um, uh, what, what was it? I think it was a pill testing event. I think it was actually the rave that Reason Party held um, before the Victorian election uh, last year, late last year, um, where she was talking about pill testing. And here's a few words from Fiona Patton, who is still a member of Parliament in the Victorian Parliament right now. We want to do that as safely as possible. Absolutely. We want to do it with as much information as possible. Yes. And tonight, we can't give you that wonderful spectrometer with a chemist here as much as I would love to. And I think every festival in Victoria this summer should have pill testing available to you. So all of your friends can be informed and hopefully stay a bit safer. to do pill testing. As we know, we have lots of volunteers, we have lots of experts who can do it. And all we need is a bit of willingness from the government to recognise that harm reduction is what we need. Exactly. You know, we can keep saying, just say no to drugs. However, what what we know is that just say no does not work. Um, I, for one, have ignored that message. (laughs) Many of you have ignored that message. So what we need is to look at the evidence. And the evidence tells us that the more information we can provide to people, the better off those people are and the safer they are and fucking the less likely they are to die. Yeah. 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 We've seen some tragedies. So tonight, we don't have a massive spectrometer, gasometer, massive thing, but we have got reagent kits and we have got ways that you can do some testing to get some understanding of the substances that are on the market and the substances that you may have bought. 
And that was uh, Fiona Patton, Member for Parliament for the uh, Northern Metropolitan Region, also representative of the Reason Party in Victorian uh, Parliament, speaking uh, late last year, um, I believe it was at the Reason Party's pill-testing party uh, in Fitzroy, uh, and it's still a debate that's going on, still a discussion that's going on with another death that occurred over the weekend just yesterday at FOMO. FOMO also happening in uh, in Melbourne at, um, uh, at Flemington today. And without further ado, I would like to introduce you to our star of the show, charismatic And she's not kidding about organisation skills, I have to say that, uh, well, yeah, um, a bit of a joke at the moment is that the UK has got a lot to learn from Australia. Um, they've got constitutions, they've got uh, their organisation structure, they know how to use Slack, we're still learning. Um, yeah. They're absolutely spot on. So we'll be doing lots of testing, but our structure is needs some attention. So, Rita, if you want to come to the UK, you're very welcome. <laughs> So I said that I'd say a few words about the Loop UK and how we started there. Uh, it started as a, uh, as a, it seemed like a good idea at the time in my kitchen uh, with a friend of mine who's a DJ and a promoter, and he's on record as having had uh, drug problems himself. He's now abstinent. But one of the things that concerned both of us, I've been doing research for 25 years as an academic on uh, drug-related, uh, tainting drug trends in the UK, on. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, the bottom line for me has been pretty much every article I've ever written was, hey, we need more harm reduction. And then thinking, well, hold on a minute, let's just do it. Rather than me writing an academic paper suggesting it, let's just do it. So, um, I'm afraid it's a DJ. So, I'm afraid it's a DJ, and I thought we really needed, in, my research has been mostly about down to drug use, recreational drug users, but we needed uh, an organisation that was going to be offering harm reduction in nightclubs and in festivals. And how can you give harm reduction advice if you've got no idea what people are taking? And this was really at the height of the new psychoactive substances uh, market. So we're thinking we really need to be able to test. So we hatched the plan in my kitchen, as all best plans are hatched. Um, and I should say, Loop Australia, that plan was hatched in Wilder Gromming's kitchen. So uh, we've got a bit of continuity there. Uh, and we pretty much from the start, we uh, decided that we wanted to be testing. And originally, our very first testing was with the Home Office. I managed to trick the scientists at the Home Office uh, into coming along and testing the nightclub. Uh, and they were, they were very sweet and innocent and had no idea of what I motives. Uh, and unfortunately, Theresa May did. So they had the first testing. We had three dates organised. We did the first testing. Theresa May got wind of the second one. Uh, and she personally pulled the plug on it. So, the scientists didn't bring their equipment with them. So that night, Eddie, who's my partner, 30 years and still standing, uh, he, he and I did reagent testing in a freezing cold back room of the, the nightclub. But what we realised was we needed the equipment and actually, you know, knowledge is power, equipment is power, spectrometers are power. So uh, Will, the co-director and co-founder and I, put our own money to buy the first spectrometer. Uh, and it was such a good decision, um, by the way, my partner doesn't know this, that because uh, the, the police in the UK didn't have that equipment, so we were able um, to come along and say, we've got equipment, uh, our equipment being their equipment, uh, and that helped us to negotiate to get on site. 
And then fortuitously, I discovered that um, I had a good friend, who was a chemistry PhD, who's here now again. I didn't realise that chemistry PhDs were any use. <laughs> since then and it's about for us it's been about pushing on doors until they open and just keep pushing and pushing uh, and I, i'd like to say there's a big, big grand plan um but it hasn't been it's just been go as far as you can go until you get stopped by somebody and so in, we started testing behind the scenes bring our own labs on site in 2016 we we're able to get the first pill testing as you, as you call it drug safety testing off the ground at two festivals in 2017 and three festivals and then this summer uh, we were exhausted because we were 12 festivals. And as an academic, part of my job is to be collecting evidence to show that this does work. Because the amazing thing is that it really, really does. It really does reduce harm on sites. I'm, I'm circumspect about saying it saves lives because I don't want to set us up to fail. And I'm mindful that this is one piece of the jigsaw of harm reduction. And we work very closely on site with all the other organisations, the medics, with the welfare and harm reduction services. But, Clearly, it benefits everybody to know what's, what's circulating in the drug market. Uh, it's a no-brainer, really. But for me, I need to help build up the academic evidence base so we can be winning the stakeholders, uh, winning, winning the, the minds of the stakeholders. But we also do lots of hearts and minds, meeting weeks on site. So it's almost been picking people up individually. And uh, that, has, that has worked as part of the strategy. But the other thing is we've picked up journalists, worked with them, and had positive press come out. So that we uh, literally, if you Google, you'll see there hasn't been any negative press. And that's not an accident, it's because all the volunteers on site uh, do these awesome meeting weeks with journalists. We work really hard to explain what we do, why we do it, and why we think we can make a difference. And the other third group to mention that we work very closely with is parents. And I'm really delighted to uh, see Adrian here today. I've never, never met a person before, but we've been Facebook friends for a while. Uh, because I think that's another really important voice in this space. People who've already lost their children um, and that we think can help that we can make a difference for the next generation. And I say that as a mother of my daughter here as well, uh, who's also a compulsory loop volunteer. So <laughs> it's, it's, it is a bit of a family affair, it has to be said. So I'm really delighted to be here, but I'd like to say it's um, absolutely not uh, a mother country no colonial takeover because you're always leaps ahead, absolutely. <laughs> Um, we've got a lot to learn already from people Australia. Probably the most heartening thing for me is that in the UK it's brought together a really amazing group of people. And I'm seeing that already here. Uh, people from all sorts of different professions who've got so much professionally to give, uh, so much personally to give, and who want to make a difference. And uh, so I'm really happy to be seeing something similar happen here. So thank you for being here. Uh, and fingers crossed it can, it can take off the ground here as well. Thank you. Mum said, I've taken something 
that I've never taken before. And I said, well, Daniel, when have you taken this? I've taken some acid. Okay, well, calm down, Daniel. Um, at one point, he became so psychotic, he said to me, who are you? Who are you? And I said, Daniel, you're mum. And, and he said, tell me something about myself so that I know that you're my mother, so I did that. And he said to me, come and get me. And I said, okay, now, Daniel, you know, this has happened before you've taken acid before. Daniel and I never had very, we didn't have any secrets. I was very much aware of some of the things that Daniel would do, and that was fine, because we talked about harmonisation, we talked about a lot of things. And he said, okay, and I said, I'll come and get you. An hour later, I rang him and I got him again, much to my surprise. And I said, um, oh, okay, so I've organised something, it's going to take a while, I've never been there, didn't even know where this place was. And he said, no, no, don't worry. He said, I'm fine. He said, I said, how are you fine? He said, I found some friends, I'm really good. Okay. And I didn't question it because Daniel had been to Rainbow many times. And he'd taken this off many other times, come home, talked about it. 8.30, Sunday morning, the police knocked on my door. And I thought, oh God, he hasn't paid a fine here because he wasn't very good at paying fines, speed fines, and then colours in my name. And uh, the policeman came in and he said, I'm really sorry to tell you, but your son died. And I said, no. Sorry, it's, I wasn't there, I didn't identify him, that's not my son. And they said, oh, no, it is, I'm sorry. So my whole world fell to pieces, literally just fell apart. And um, the things that a parent has to go through when a person dies with a drug overdose is, is horrific. And maybe you know what that is with the autopsy, and then the autopsy comes back, and then you know, then you have the toxicology report and then think what on earth, you know, why? In about November, um, October actually, they, they send out these emails from Rainbow, these automatic emails, because I had actually bought him a ticket for his birthday. His birthday was the 19th of January, double 29th. And I was very bitter at the time, as you can imagine. I'm ashamed to say that I was here. And so I sent the email back and I said, I really was wanting to slam them. I didn't immediately in the beginning. And then all I said was, you know what? I'm just going to say, please remember my son died in your grounds. That's all I really said. And then, then I, we got together with the, um, with the, uh, the Tim Harvey and We've been working ever since because I knew that Daniel loved it so much and that I loved him so much that it was natural that we, I needed to do something because no other parent has to feel like this. And then when this young lady died in New South Wales, Georgina, and um, I did an interview because the journalists kind of gravitate towards me when, when someone dies with a, with an overdose. And I remember in the Herald Sun, big photo of Georgina and a big photo of Daniel. And I thought I had to do something because this is ridiculous. And then it was one, after the other, after the other. I think it was about seven that year, it would take. And so then I was approached by Will from Unharm, and I didn't know him from the bar, so I'd like, but who are you? 
track. And, um, and so then he got together, he encouraged me and I wanted to start with change.org. And, um, and this is why I think it's so important to have pill testing, drug testing, what is the correct terminology? We're, we're in negotiation. Yes, we're in negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we'll say it's safe drug testing. Then I hear, no, it's pill testing. I don't care what they call it, just do it. You know, just, just do it. I don't know what else to say other than no parent should have to feel like this. You know, my granddaughter, who's who's uh, 11, she, my son didn't have children, fortunately, in a way, and she will say to me, "No, um, I don't have, I don't have first cousins." And so when 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 something like this happens, I, you know, she'll never have first cousins. Simple as that. My daughter is never going to have nieces and nephews. And so if we can stop this from happening, if we can at least give it a really good go, I think it would be the best thing that we could do for our future, for, that, for our children, and for anyone else who takes drugs, really. They should know what they're ingesting. Mr. Andrews? Yes. Yes. Mr. Andrews? I keep, I keep calling out for him to come and talk to me. I was in Parliament House was it last year when I had all the, the, uh, the candles, the candle, 420 deaths, was it? Which was practically double the road tile. So, what does that tell you? You know, but we, we've got safety nets for everything, haven't we? You gotta wear your seatbelt, you gotta pull out all of that. So this is no different. This is just no different. Public health. Public health. Thank you. And I just want to acknowledge the incredible strength you show in not only being here tonight, but in reliving that trauma every single time you speak. We are so appreciative of it. And that really drives us and the work we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Our last speaker for this evening, you may recognise his hat before you see his face. Uh, that final voice there that you heard from was Nevena Sporovska. Nevena uh, has been involved with Unharm, uh, involved with the uh, welfare campaign, which was uh, against the uh, uh, federal government's um, idea to start um, drug testing welfare recipients and then cutting off their payments if uh, if drugs were found, as if that was going to be a, uh, a helpful way to, uh, to for them to deal with their drug or alcohol issues. Uh, and that audio that you heard was from the launch of the Loop in Australia late last year, one of a number of organisations uh, that are looking to set up pill testing. Uh, the only one that's conducted pill testing in Australia so, f so far is the organisation Pill Testing Australia. Uh, you can look at their website. Their website and social media is now launched. Pill Testing Australia, look it up on Facebook, look it up on Twitter and Google it as well. Uh, they have a, uh, a big charter, Trans-Tasman trans, trans Charter, Outlining uh, some of the uh, some of the core principles that they want to see 
uh, in any uh, pill testing program that gets uh, gets up and running in Australia. Uh, and uh, they are also looking to do... Uh, well, I mean, they're looking for another opportunity for a trial somewhere in Australia. Uh, hopefully, we can get something happening in Victoria. Uh, I know that the Victorian government has still come out against pill testing, um, but they haven't had as much pressure put on them over this season as has uh, Gladys uh, Berejiklian, just because there have been so many more incidents that have happened in New South Wales for whatever reason. Uh, this is In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. My name is Nick Wallace. And we've been talking pill testing today. Uh, again, there is a uh, uh, the launch for the Be Heard Not Harmed campaign, 5pm this Wednesday at Revolver uh, on Chapel Street. Uh, please come along. It's with Students for Sensible Drug Policy Australia, um, and they will be launching that there. Our guests include Richard Di Natale, leader of the Greens, and uh, Fiona Patton, leader of Reason Party, both people who have been uh, strong campaigners uh, for progressive drug policy and uh, and to see a change that's informed by the experts around us, of which there are so many, and they're raising their voices all the time to say, hey, we need to do something different than nothing at all, which is the status quo of prohibition. It's this idea that if we say no and we enforce the no, uh, then somehow that will make uh, all these other problems go away. But it's just not the reality of what happens. And um, and as well, um, Rainbow Serpent Festival is coming up in just um, just a couple of weeks' time, and we will be doing uh, a um, a live show of sorts from there. It's not going to be live on the radio. You'll have to wait the week after for the show. Um, but we will presenting be presenting it as if it is a live show uh, with a panel of guests that we're very much looking forward to having on and talking about this um, uh, this sort of rub zone uh, between the mainstream and the alternative music festivals which are absolutely booming across uh, across the country at the moment uh, to such a point that the alternative scene is now going have we become too mainstream I think this is a pattern that happens over and over but you know that question is being asked and we're going to ask that question but we're also going to look back we're going to be looking back at festivals um, like the Aquarius Festival which kicked off uh, Nimbin uh, was put on by the National Union uh, of Students we'll be looking at Sunbury Festival, we'll be looking at some of the other uh, rock and roll festivals and the alternative culture festivals, things like Confest, uh, the sorts of things that have popped up over the years and make this vibrant festival scene that Australia has as vibrant as it is, but also looking at this um, this idea of culture war and um, this idea that certain events are of usually progressive people and progressive movements where we talk about progressive ideas and where those ideas could be considered political, where uh, we seem to be being attacked on other angles uh, at these festivals and and just um, you know, I'm not saying that there is a real cultural war, the word war is pretty serious, but there is something there. We're going to explore that at Rainbow Serpent Festival on the Sunday if you're going, do come and find us Otherwise, get to our podcast, subscribe, and stay tuned for Queering the Air. Enjoy your Sunday afternoon. This is In Psychedelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. This has been a 3CR podcast. You can hear In Psychedelia live every Sunday from 2pm. Head to 3cr.org.au for more.